Welcome to the Fearless Sellers, the Women of Amazon podcast. I'm Joey Roberts. Place at the right time, basically, right? You need to find the right country with the right economical and political situation. You need to find the right factory that has also connections with other right factories who supply, for example, raw materials, and the right uh, transportation company who will be able to deliver your goods on time, and the quality control, and, 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 and all of those things together. Welcome to the Fearless Sellers, the Women of Amazon's podcast. I am so excited to welcome Yulia Bilanova from Zignify to today's show. Yulia, it is such an honor to have you joining us all the way from Germany. You are an inspiration. You are an Amazon seller. You run Zignify with your husband, which we'll touch on a little bit later. And you are a world traveler. Welcome to the Fearless Sellers podcast. Thank you very much. I wish I had your voice for an intro like this. I feel like this is an, an American thing that a lot of us like. Uh, thank you very much. It's a, it's a pleasure and an honor to be here. Yeah. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, do you want to give a brief introduction about your a little bit of your history as an Amazon seller and then also uh, what Zegnify is? Absolutely. Um, our way into Amazon started extremely, extremely um, on accident. Uh, my better half, uh, me and him, we were living in Beijing. We were living in China. This was 2014. Um, we were on the brink of moving to Singapore. And uh, he had a lot of overtime because he's German and he works like crazy. And because of this overtime, he had like six weeks that he needed to take off before we moved to Singapore. He was bored. He was very annoying. And I was trying to find something so he doesn't bother me all the time when I'm at home. Uh, and I came over um, Amazon, FBA, FBM, and all of those things, which was complete mystery to me back then. We started looking into this and we decided to start and try to sell on Amazon or he started, right? I later on kind of joined in. Um, I mean, we were in China. We were in perfect position to order samples, you know, to find products because back in the day, it was a completely different game to what it is today. Back in the day, it was buy a product for $5, sell it for 35. It should be cheap. It should have no certification, etc., etc. You know, all of those things. Now it's absolutely different. Um, our first product that we were looking at, we didn't launch with it. It was one of those uh, toys that was a turtle with the with the shell that projected stars onto the ceiling and had this horrible music that could. Oh yeah, I had that for my baby. Everybody had those. Okay, yeah, I know that product. We didn't launch with that. <laughs> Instead, we decided to go with the LED. Uh, charging cables uh, because you know at night you're asleep and if you want to reach out for your phone there is the cable you know where your phone kind of is so that was the idea that didn't really fly much and then we went into um, personal protection like privacy um, anti-theft things uh, which included different RFID blocker cards sleeves wallets car key fob car key pouches etc etc 
that was the first brand that we launched um, and Sebastian was uh, you know driving this fully he was sitting at midnight had all of those little windows open sending the messages to the customers because back then there was no automation you actually needed to open each and every one and send the the email saying thank you please leave a review or something like this um, one day we woke up and there were instead of 10 sales there were 80 you know, another day we woke up and instead Ooh. of 80 sales, there was like uh, 180. So this prompted us to leave the corporate world for him and for me. I was living, we were already living in Singapore. I was doing my MBA, but I was still working for a Chinese company remotely. Um, and this prompted us to completely leave the corporate world and focus on this e-commerce, uh, Amazon kind of thing. And that's pretty much how it started 2014. That's a lot of years. Uh, yeah. And, <laughs> and walk uh, me through. Yeah. So 2014, you launched this, your Amazon business. Uh -huh. You saw the sales okay. rising. And then how long until you, you both quit your jobs? Oh, Sebastian quit in uh, 2016. 2016, April 1st, he put in his resignation. Um, he worked for a very large company. They're called ABB. They have like 250,000 employees globally. Um, and uh, yeah, he put in his re uh, resignation on April 1st, 2016. And uh, then we started our kind of digital nomad thing. Um, so we were traveling for what? eight months all around Southeast Asia. I mean, from Singapore, we went to Philippines for three months. Then it was Indonesia for three months. Then we stayed a bit in Germany. And then we went back to Asia, to Thailand. Um, he was doing Amazon. I was helping him do Amazon. And I also still had my job at the Chinese company, um, which are, they are competitors to AliExpress. So um, with this, I gained more knowledge into the e-commerce industry, not only the Amazon industry. Um, yeah. So, yeah, basically 2016, let's say, uh, that we decided to kind of fully... So it took about... Uh, That's incredible. About, so it really uh, took... About a year, year and a half. And if you don't mind me asking, what what were the sales on Amazon that you hit that justified, okay, we can now let Sebastian quit his corporate job? Honestly, it wasn't that much. I think it was like 20 grand per month or something like this. So it's not substantial considering mm -hmm. um, the costs. I mean, but the, 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 the cost per click, the advertising back then, it was not there, right? Or it was there, but it wasn't as crazy. Right. Like 30, 35% of your, uh, of your revenue as it is right now. So of course you had higher margins back in the day. So this was, you know, I was making, I don't know, Three, four thousand dollars with my company um, in China, and then we had this little, you know, maybe we had ten grand left over. So this was okay. Um, I mean, it wasn't. Uh, we could travel, you know, so it was perfectly fine. And then at the same time, we started also looking because we directly diversified. We started looking into e-commerce, so we started to sell through our own website. And later on, Sebastian also launched um, all of the products at least from the first brand, into retail. So if you go to certain stores in Germany, big retailer stores, you will find our products there because, you know, diversification is 
key. So yeah, we kind of went all over the place <laughs> as usual. Yes, that's quite a story. So what I'm hearing is that you saw the big potential because you were hitting 20,000 a month, maybe a little over in sales and it was time to shift and put all of your attention to grow and then you brought it into retail. That's a big decision and a very exciting decision that you guys got to make as a team, right? As the husband and wife team working together. Absolutely. I think, to be honest, if I was alone, I probably would have never made the decision. But having your partner in life and in crime right by your side um, just makes me feel safe and makes me feel that I can do anything because I know he will always be there to support me. I will be there to support him. Of course, we had a little nest egg that would have allowed us to leave uh, you know, normally for a year, a year and a half, maybe even longer. Um, if we were, you know, if the Amazon would have gone belly up and we needed to find jobs or something like this. Um, right. So we didn't jump into this completely without thinking and without making sure that we kind of have insurance. Right. Um, but yeah, uh, having someone, you know, to back you up is makes the whole difference. At least it did for me. It does. I agree. I run my business on my own and I, my husband and I don't run our businesses together, but I admire the husband and wife's teams that do. And you can support each other and say, Hey, okay, this is the bigger vision that we're moving to. And then you guys kept building your empire. And what year did you two build Zignify together? Uh, well, first things first, and this is the crazy part, we're not even married. We've been together, it's going to be oh. in the, in one week, it's going to be 10 years since we're together. We just never got to the oh, point nice. of actually getting married or anything like this. Um, Zignify, um, Sebastian was running Amazon and I was kind of, you know, helping on the sourcing side and, uh, you know, marketing and, you know, little things here and there. Um, and in the meantime, um, we moved to Germany. And, uh, and we moved to Germany by motorcycle. Actually, we, we rode on a motorcycle from Singapore to Germany for like six months. Um, uh, and, uh, we moved to Germany and, um, I decided to find a job because in order for me to be in Germany, I need a proper visa and all of those things. And, uh, I ended up finding a job at a company called Flixbus. They're quite large. It's a German unicorn startup that works in the transportation industry. And I was still doing, um, some things on the side that were related to sourcing. I had some old clients and they were, you know, coming to me extra, you know, extra couple of thousand per month is never a bad idea, is never a bad thing. And um, I quit the corporate job at the end of 2019, right before Corona hit. And I decided because I was making, you know, good money with the kind of freelancing, right? Let's call it uh, this way, freelancing slash uh, consulting. And I thought I might okay. as well do this for myself kind of thing rather than go to the office every day. And I was flying to Moscow every Monday and flying back to Munich every Friday every single week. So I was literally- This all sounds exciting to me. <laughs> it is, but after one year of doing this, you know, of flying like this back and forth, you're tired, you're living outside of a hotel, you're eating crappy food, airports, delayed flights. Ugh. So <laughs> I was tired and um, yeah, I quit. 
Corona hit, and this is when it started to pick up. Um, my old customers, more and more of them, they started coming back to me and saying, Yulia, we have a huge problem. China is closed. All the factories are closed. We do not know what to do. Please help. Please help. We know that you've been doing some sourcing in, in Europe, in US and some other countries. And this is how it basically started. All the old customers started coming and this is 2020 already. They started coming, coming. Then, you know, I had so much work that I needed to start hiring people. At this point, Sebastian was not involved with Zignify yet. Uh, so I was doing all of this on my own. Um, people came and go for different projects. I hired them. And then kind of officially the first employee that is still with us, her name is Grace. She's head of our sourcing in China. I hired her one day after my birthday. This is June 18th, 2020. Right. So it's going to, it's two and a half years that she is with me. Um, and from this wow. moment, I kind of count that the company has officially started, even though we registered the company even later than that officially. Right. I had a, a, an entity in Germany, but then later we registered with a different country as well. Yeah. And, um, this, the whole year of 2020, I pretty much worked on my own. And Sebastian started to get involved in the spring of 2021. Um, because we were in Germany, we were one of our customers. He told us about the German Amazon scene, right? Because we didn't know there was one. There was like absolutely no information, but there were tons of meetups. There were tons of groups, um, so many people to communicate with. And we got into this and we saw the potential and everyone was asking about, not everyone, but a lot of people were asking about sourcing and here we came. So I had customers already. I was getting them more through different sources. And then Sebastian came in and uh, started getting more customers. And that's kind of officially when he joined uh, pretty much a year after the company has kind of started. So, uh, yeah. And since then we're together within the company, I do a lot of an operational side. I of course also do sales, business development, trade shows and all of those things, but the whole back end I pretty much build on my own. Um, we're closing in. So I think that kind of it's really unique sorry. that this came naturally because China shut down in 2020 and you saw an opportunity and you were already sourcing outside of China. And that is a question I get all the time from people in the AMZ Insiders community, our coaching students, and just anybody in the Amazon spaces. How do we source outside of China? Because there are misconceptions and there's true things that are happening that do make it more difficult, especially being far away in the US sourcing from China. You're listening to the Fearless Sellers, the Women of Amazon podcast. If you like what you're hearing, click the subscribe button. We have new content coming out all the time and you don't want to miss out. I think it's such an opportunity that people in the US like me and anybody in our coaching program with AMZ Insiders and any Amazon sellers can use Zegnify and your connections to source outside of China because that's been a big topic since 2020 came is, well, where can I source outside of China? Some people are worried about the shipping times. I've been affected by shipping times. And it is big. As an Amazon seller, it is a big thing to be able to diversify your suppliers and have suppliers all across the United States and all across the world in whatever country you're in. 
and other countries to source from. Yeah, Look, it, there is no one easy question that go to this one particular country, go to this one particular factory and everything will be perfect. Absolutely not. This is why our service is in demand, because there are so many variables in there that you need to make sure are you need to be at the right place and at the right time, basically. Right. So there are tons of like. Yeah, there are tons of countries where you can go. The question, I, I always tell people, go from the point of what you want to produce. And as simple as that, try to Google with like, uh, I don't know, if you're producing cups, right? Cups or ceramics or something like this. Google which countries produce ceramics, right? So go from that. So this is kind of the easiest thing. Um, so you go from, you know, kind of a top thing and then you go into subcategories and try to identify the, the right path for yourself. This is as, as easy as I can explain. Again, I've been in this business for almost 18 years now. So there are a lot of intricacies. Well, I'm going to take advantage of your intelligent brain on the sourcing. The basics of teaching for Amazon inside the US is go to Alibaba and find a manufacturer who can hopefully customize something. But let me ask you this. If I, if I was selling pet supplies, which I don't, I sell in women's health, but if I was selling pet supplies, where do you start as my sourcing agent? Do you have specific suppliers in say Germany or specific countries that you go to? We know specific countries. So depending on the pet supplies you're looking to do, for example, let's say it's pet food, dehydrated or fresh, uh, what is it? Uh, flies, frozen, I forgot in English, but, uh, you know, frozen, um, pet food or something like this. So we know where this can be manufactured because we know which country, because we did similar research before and we know which countries have the technology and possess the ability to produce and to do private label. Because if you see something, if you find a factory, it doesn't mean necessarily that they will do private label so we go by our accumulated you know knowledge of all of the people that we have in the company right because it's not only uh take 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 it's give and take all of us we share the information i might not know something but my colleagues right my teammates my ladies they will know that something so with the pet products like again uh, pet food or something like this you can there are tons of private label companies in US, um, in Germany, Italy, France, uh, even Czech Republic, right? Everything depends on what you want and what are your, you know, MOQs, target prices and all of those things. We usually, we work in a bit of a different way. Um, we usually, not usually, we don't use the same manufacturers for different clients. You know, a lot of sourcing companies, they kind of, I'll call it recycle factories. So they found this one factory right. who can do this hoodie and they will send all of their customers to this one factory. We don't do this. Um, for the reason Amazon is an already extremely competitive environment and we don't want to add to this competition. Does that mean that we potentially might make less money? Yes, it might. But you know what? Can't earn all of the money in the world. I also work on, on the premise of good karma, of being a good person and trying to be a go-giver and to give people and to try to make things better for them in, in this crappy world where we have troubles and depression and, and, and. So we don't use the same factories. We might ask them for prices. 
And if we don't produce with them, we might use them for the new client. But usually we use completely new factories because it's also about innovation. I give you an example. In the pet food industry, there is a new way and a new technology with which you can produce pet food. And it's not frozen. It's like dehydrated pet food. And there are only like three factories in the world who can produce this. And we know all of them. Wow. Why? Because we had um, a client who was looking for this and we contacted, I think, over 400 different factories worldwide and we found three, one in U.S. Um, and two in Italy who can produce this. And the fourth one is about to buy the machinery. So, you know, for us, we know where to go because of the years of experience and because we share this information with one another, of course. That is very impressive. I love that you have put in such hard work to building these connections. And then now I know that when I come to you with a product idea or one of our students' clients come to you with a product idea, that it's not going to be exactly the same factory and supplier as somebody else that we know also selling in that industry. That that speaks a lot for your character and for the way that you're building your company. I really like that. We even had to say no to, uh, so we work, uh, we do sourcing for some of the uh, larger aggregators. They come to us when they have troubles with some of their products. They do have sourcing departments, but again, when they face difficulties, they come to us. Um, let's say one aggregator came to us, gave us directly five projects. We only took four. Why? Because one of the projects already is the same product as our existing customer. So we will never take a customer for the same product, never. We will, we will, we will lose the customer, but we will not take another customer with exactly the same product. Because again, competition, there is a lot and we don't want to, you know, contribute to that even more. That's impressive. And I like that you are the go-to and you're the go-to for us too. So thank you for being such a strong resource globally for all of us Amazon sellers. The only reason I can do this is because of our team. You know, in the back end, we have almost 50 ladies, right? We went from me from one to almost 50 in two years. And that's tremendous growth. We didn't have any funding. I mean, what is it called? I think in the industry, uh, in the startup industry, it's called bootstrapped. So we're bootstrapped. We grow with the flow. <laughs> yeah. So uh, if it wasn't for them, we wouldn't be able to, you know, to provide. Um, you need to know the local cultures, you need to speak local languages, and you need to be, you need to like your job. I think that's also an important point. It and is important. It is so important to like what you do. Yeah. I never thought that I would be working with sourcing. I hated sourcing. Um, when I used to live in China, um, all of the Russian, uh, I'm from Russia. <laughs> I haven't lived there in uh, 17, 18 years, but um, all of the Russians back in the day, back in China, and still now, they worked in sourcing. Most of them worked for uh, Russian companies. They paid and still do pay extremely badly. Um, so I was teaching English. And uh, at the end of the day, I ended up in product sourcing as well. Product, I was doing sales. I was doing everything from sales to product sourcing to product delivery. So the whole thing. And I hated this so much. I never thought that I would have my life connected to this. 
But um, when you work for yourself, you see ways of improving the job, of making things easier and making things better for the customers, right? Um, that's what we focus on. And that's what we focus on customer value overload because all of our customers on Amazon, they want to give the same to their customers, right? To the end user, to any person who buys on Amazon, right? Like I went shopping here on Amazon in Germany, bought a carpet, bought a table. Customer value overload. I'm kind of expecting this because this is 21st century and this is what we want to give as well. And I think this is the, you know, for us, this is a legitimate way to go to make sure that everyone is happy-ish or happier. Yeah. And you don't like working in sourcing, but you're so good at sourcing, but it's really the relationships and making sure that you're holding yourself, your company and all your employees, including your husband to the high standards that you hold yourself to. So I see you as paving the way for a new way in sourcing. And I hear the passion and excitement coming out of you. And I, I really admire all that you've done for the Amazon sellers and to uphold the values that Amazon has instilled in all of us is high customer service. You cannot and will not survive in any part of the Amazon industry unless you follow Amazon's lead of putting the customers first. Yeah, that's true. And you know, the, 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 between love and hate, there is a very, very thin line. So from, from the hate and dislike, I went to something that I love and I enjoy and we're extremely proud of. And all of our, you know, we just came back from a 10 day, uh, vacation in Bali with our ladies. And it was awesome. I mean, the 10 days flew by like this, like, like in the moment, everyone was like sad and a little bit crying at the end. But you know, that means that the team enjoyed it. That means, you know, people were happy to meet each other, to spend time with one another. And this is also something we're proud of because if you don't have a good backend, if you don't support your people and encourage them and, you know, and all of those things, then your front end will not be so successful because those things, when you have bad things in the backend, those things tend to come out through the cracks at some point to the front and people know about this. Yes, they do. And you're even more amazing. You just took t your entire team of 10 to Bali. And now everybody listening is going to want to apply to work for you. So get ready for the influx because everybody wants those fancy trips to Bali. I mean, I want to go. <laughs> That's awesome. It was actually 14 of us all together, which is not the full team wow. because we're almost 50. But uh, it was for the people who worked with us for at least who are on full-time contracts, which is all of the people are kind of, uh, but also people who've been in the company for at least eight months. Because I think if you've been in the company for that long, you should be rewarded. And, you know, we wanted to say thank you. But now we're already planning the next one, which will be in December this year. And I think there will probably be about 30 or 40 of us so that's a logistical nightmare that we will need to deal with but uh yeah it was really fun everyone you know still chats and sends pictures to one another and uh yeah a little bit hard on sebastian because a lot of women getting together and a lot of them are mothers starting to talk about <laughs> pregnancies and birth and epidural and sebastian goes okay i need to go <laughs> so <laughs> fun as well Oh, Sebastian, he's such a good sport. He is. He is. And let's talk a little bit about you two running a business together as a hu husband and wife team. Because 
I don't, I mentioned before, I don't run my businesses with my husband. And what is the dynamic at home? Do you always talk about work? Not always, but of course a lot, because I think we consider our work not only something we kind of have to do, but this is our hobby as well. We really enjoy this, right? We really enjoy building businesses. This is exciting for us. This is, you know, and Sebastian, if he talks to someone else, he will give 50, 50 pieces of advice of how to improve their business. You know, no one asks him, but he will do it. And he will be right on all of those 50 things. Um, so no, at home, we're also trying to, you know, get off topic. Sometimes it might be a little bit hard because we have so many things going on. Um, but, you know, we're we're motorcycle riders, right? So we like riding motorcycles. Uh, so this is fun. Or going hiking or skiing or snowboarding and all of those things. Meeting with our friends. So in those situations, of course, we also try to relax and take time for ourselves. Um, but uh, I would say a lot of it is about work and um, not all the time it's happy and butterflies and happy puppies and blue skies. No, you fight sometimes as well, but you also fight in a normal relationship about the stupid things, you know. Uh, but household-wise, we never had problems. Since the day we started dating, and honestly, up until this day, we always had a fight about who is going to take laundry away. Not like I will say, no, you do this. Or he will tell, say, Yulia, no, do this. No, 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 no. I will say, I will do this. And he will say, no, no, I will, I will, I will. So we were so nice and still are so nice to each other that we want to take off the load and all of those bad things from, from our partner and, you know, try to make the best for them. Because we know, you know, how tired we get and emotional stress, work stress and all of this. So we try to be very supportive towards one another. Works most of the time, not always. It is the small things, right? That's a good point. It's it's the little things that you do to help each other out to say, hey, I appreciate all the work that you're putting into our household and uh, you know, making sure that your home life is good. And I love that you guys ride motorcycles together. It That sounds like a very cool hobby. And then you're not really talking. You're kind of just enjoying the scenery and enjoying each other's company. No, no, no. You have an intercom. (laughs) You you can talk if you you have an intercom. You can talk all the time. So, (laughs) Oh, like a walkie-talkie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's connected on the helmet. Um, motorcycles, this is something that came from Sebastian. I, um, he was a biker. And when we moved to Germany, I decided to get my car and motorcycle license, which I have for three years now. Um, yeah. And I got my, for me, it's easier to actually be on a bike in comparison to be in the car. Um, so yeah. Um, we even went down to Croatia. We went through Italy, France, and then on the way back. Um, so, yeah, this is something that we very much enjoy. I didn't know that about you. I think that's really cool. Not that I'm going to go take up motorcycle riding, but I celebrate that for you and Sebastian. I think that that's a really good outlet. And it's cool to watch you guys build this business. I met Sebastian a couple of years ago and he immediately told me about you. So I know that he was very proud of you. And I love seeing his face light up when he's talking about his company and that he was building with you. So I know you guys have something special going on. Um, let me ask you this. What advice do you have for husband and wife teams that are looking to build any type of business together? 
I think you both need to understand what your strengths and weaknesses are. Right. So Sebastian, um, Sebastian is known, uh, Sebastian Hertz, the connector. He's known here in Germany. So we were at an event a few days ago in, uh, Stuttgart and he had a speech in front of 300 people on stage. So they actually introduced him, Sebastian Hertz, and everyone knows him as the connector. So, you know, that's kind of his thing to be out there, to talk to people, to connect and all of those things, sales, business development. So, right. The kind of the front man thing. Whereas for me, I love the operational side. I like telling, I love telling people what to do in a nice way, you know, and building all of those things and see the processes and actually doing the processes. So my best advice is see what your strengths and weaknesses are, divide them and do not put it into a personal feeling that your partner is better in some things and you are not better in those things, right? I know Sebastian is better in business development and connecting people than I am. And I am perfectly fine with this. He, on the other hand, back in the day had the problem, oh, but you did all of this in the back end. And I said, yes, but if I wouldn't have had your support, if you wouldn't have been on the front line, I did, I wouldn't have had the time to do what was supposed to be done in the back end. So you need to sit down, talk about this, see who does what. It doesn't mean you can't do the same things together, you know, the merge. But uh, yeah, you need to identify those things and support your partner and uh, not be jealous of their qualities because we're all different. You know, some people are more prone to learn languages. Others, they have the other side of the brain and they can calculate better physics, mathematics, chemistry, etc., etc. We're all different and we need to be okay with that. We do. And we have to celebrate that there's somebody to do the stuff that I'm not super good at, right? I love that part of having a partnership. And that's good advice for husband and wives because I think uh, emotions are could be magnified, right? When you're in the relationship. And it's also applies to any business partnership. Like when you were talking, I thought, oh, yes, Jamie and I compliment each other on aspects of our business. And I'm so thankful that he's my business partner and he can handle the stuff that our... I don't want to call it my weakness, but when I see Jamie doing it, I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, I would now look at that as a weakness of mine because Jamie really shines in that area. Yeah, but you know what helps me? Because again, we're all human. We're emotional beings. What helps me sometimes if something like this happens is I think to myself, look, Yulia, for example, you are very crappy at designing graphics or something like this. So what would I usually do in this situation? I would hire an expert to do exactly the things which I am not good at. So your partner does exactly that, but for free. So be happy about it, you know, <laughs> and you can actually affect more and communicate more openly and honestly with your partner than you can with any other outside expert. So I sometimes look at it from this perspective. Helps me to put, you know, to calm things down for sure. Yeah, that's a great perspective. Thank you. Thank you for that insight. I love learning and I do think it's very cool that you guys have built all these businesses in a relatively small amount of time. So what's next? What are you working on? Um, well, um, us, 
and four other very, very large companies on the market, service providers. I can't disclose who they are yet, but you definitely know all of them. Uh, so the five of us, uh, we just uh, formed a company and uh, we bought another company and we will be in uh, in the, uh, let's call it event space uh, with the Amazon sellers and e-commerce sellers globally. So uh, the company just got incorporated, I think, yesterday. So this is the next step. This is the development from one side with the partners. Um, for Zignify, um, we actually, you know, we've done zero marketing, like paid marketing. We don't have ads running or anything like this. Um, we work on the word of mouth. So maybe this year we will look into actually launching some marketing. Um, and the goal is to grow the team. So we're almost at 50 and hopefully by the end of this year, we'll get to a hundred ladies. And uh, yeah, that's, you know, making sure that uh, we can serve a lot of people and we're entering new markets as well. I, I mean, customer wise, because in terms of sourcing, we're, we're sourced for numerous countries. But customer-wise, we're also looking at South Africa. We're already in Australia. We're already in Singapore, in US, UK. But uh, we would like to spread a bit more in Europe and South Africa and uh, Japan and Canada. So yeah, big plans, just no time. <laughs> I understand. Well, I'm rooting for you and I will keep an eye out for all those big announcements. And I know you're going to have a wonderful 2023. Before we close out, is there anything that we haven't discussed that you would like to share? No, not really. Um, I think one of the things, because your target audience for, for this type of podcast is, uh, I would assume, women who are maybe need a little bit of a push motivation or women like me, because I listened to all of the episodes as well. This it was really interesting. Um, I think one of the things is uh, ladies, specifically ladies, don't give up. Um, things get better. Positive thinking. Um, you know, I never used to believe in such things as the law of attraction and positive thinking. I'm like, oh, this hippie stuff. But a few years ago, I completely embraced it and it works like a charm. I love it. Sebastian uses it as well. And it completely changed my life for positive. So positive thinking, um, find people within your communities with whom you can communicate and bounce ideas off. You're not alone. We're all in, you know, in this life, you can find partners, uh, whether just girlfriends, boyfriends, or just friends. So don't stay alone because, uh, you know, having a partner really makes a difference and um, keeps you accountable and keeps you motivated. So don't give up. And, uh, you know, we're, we're all rooting for you for more female led Amazon businesses. That would be wonderful. I think that's yes. It. Yes, we are definitely on a mission to help all sellers, men and women. And we want the women to rise up. And as you and I know, when we go to events and we step out places, there's only 25 to 30% of women selling on Amazon. And we work together. And that was that's part of US. the... Yeah, that's in US. And you have very high numbers. In Europe, the numbers may be 5%. Australia, the numbers are a little bit higher. We were actually quite surprised. We were exhibiting in, in Sydney last year in September, and there were a lot of women and the husbands. You know how you have this, uh, you know, a powerful, strong woman and the husband is kind of walking behind her ca carrying yeah. a purse. <laughs> we actually 
We actually saw this not once, but twice, about three or four times in Australia at the Amazon event. And I was like, the, the first thing I don't really care, but it was nice to see that it was um, female Amazon-led businesses. So yeah, we definitely need more of that because I think with women, more conscious products will come because women don't only care about making money. Don't get me wrong. We, we of course do. But I think women also um, have more of emotional connections. So the products that are kind of done by women will be better. That, that's my sole opinion, but this is what I've seen from our customers, you know, uh, and, and you can see that. Yeah, that's that's a great perspective. Thank you for sharing. And I will check in with you later in 2023. We'll have to have you back and see how everything is going because I know you have a lot in the works and we'll continue to help women sellers rise up. And until next time, Yulia, I just want to say you are incredible and thank you for being so fearless. And until next time, stay fearless. You too. <laughs> Perfect. If you're looking to get started selling on Amazon or maybe need some help with your current sales on Amazon, go to fearlesssellers.com. That's a lot of S's in there. Fearlesssellers.com. Use coupon code FEARLESS for 50% off our next event. Thank you for listening to the Fearless Sellers, the Women of Amazon podcast. Until next time, stay fearless. <laughs>